0: Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Well, I'm kicking off a new series today called End Time Promises. But before we get into that, i got to be obedient to something that the Lord asked me to address today. I wasn't really excited when he asked me to address this, but we're going to do it anyway. So our church is in a season where God's putting all the puzzle pieces together, right? You guys see that happening. He's drawing people here who are designed to fit together. And it's awesome. I love it. Our assignments and our giftings are coming together to complete each other. And when we've learned how to put them together, that's where we are right now. We're learning how to put them together. And when we figure that out, we will be an unstoppable force for the kingdom of God. I, it's kind of like an orchestra. Everybody has their instrument to play. Some are playing the same instrument, but different music. I don't know. Do we have any people who were in band in high school? Just a few of you. Well, Bear with me. I hope we, we all understand this illustration. But some are playing the same instrument, but different music. And there's some that are even playing the same instrument and the same music. But they express it in their own unique way, which is what makes a band and an orchestra sound so big. So where we are right now is the church is, everyone in our church is walking in to find their seat within this orchestra. And some of you have found it already, and some of you are still searching, but don't lose heart and don't get frustrated because you're going to find your seat. But now that you have this visual, let me expose how the enemy is trying to distract us in this season. Here, for those of you who need a picture, this is kind of like how an orchestra works. So in an orchestra, the same instruments always sit together. You have the violins over here. You have the trumpets over there. So as you find your place here at No Limits, you're going to be sitting by people, so to speak, that have the same assignment as you and similar giftings as you. Isn't that cool? And here's where the enemy shows up, though, to distract you. He begins to plant these seeds of jealousy, and you start to think things like, hey, that's my instrument. That's my instrument. There's, that's what I'm here for. There's not a rough room for both of us. And you may even find out that they've been practicing more. And they're more gifted than you are. Uh-oh. Again, the perfect time for the enemy to stir up jealousy. So let's take a look at what the Word of God says about jealousy. Well, nothing else but the book of James. Anybody love the book of James? In James chapter 3, verse 14, it says, If you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Oh, by golly. But listen to me. We're all probably going to have jealous thoughts at some point in this process. But we have a choice. You can take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, or you can let him fester into disorder and evil of every kind. You have the choice. So I'm just going to be up front with you. There's too much on the line here to let this go unchecked. We cannot hinder the move of God, this move of God through jealousy and selfish ambition. So consider this your friendly warning. I fully trust that you can take these thoughts captive and, and dismiss them. You can do that. The Holy Spirit's given you the power to do that. But if I hear of them festering, I'm going to help you find freedom. <laughs> Did I put that a good way? I'm thinking of Gina. She, Gina Wills always tells me, when you're preaching, you're, you're giving us a hard truth, but it's like hitting us with a pillow. So there you go. <laughs> Wa-pow. Gotcha. So when you encounter somebody with a similar gifting or a a similar calling as you, you should rejoice because this means you're finding your seat. I'm finding my place here. This is where I'm supposed to be. And when you discover that someone's gifts are more developed than yours, you should rejoice because you found somebody that you can ask, hey, how can I develop my gifts? You know what I mean? So instead of getting jealous about them, just ask them how they got there. Don't tolerate jealousy. It's not a competition. This is a team. It's a team. We're here to serve each other. We're here to help each other grow. And we're here to work together for the end time harvest. God is doing amazing things here at No Limits already. And it's just only beginning. And it's awesome. And I'm excited. But it's up to us. And it's up to all of us, not just me. But it's up to all of us to steward this well, this move of God. We have to steward it. So speaking of, like, God moving, you may be wondering, like, what are we going to do about our lack of space here? I come in here and I can't find a seat. We can fit 100 chairs in here. And we consistently have about 105 or more people on a Sunday morning. There was one that we even had 145 people here on a Sunday. And that breaks all the church growth rules. They say you should never be more than 80% full because then people will start leaving. But when the Holy Spirit is moving, it really just doesn't matter how uncomfortable we are. We'll just share a seat if we have to, right? Nevertheless, we are on a hunt for a bigger space so that God can continue to multiply what he's doing here at No Limits. And a few weeks ago, I told you that I had a vision uh, where a pastor failed to raise up the next generation. And his church was fading away because of it. And he had been praying for God to correct his error. And then we showed up. And he was just so thankful to give his building to us so that he could hand it over to the next generation. When God gives you a word or a vision, he does not give you the timeline. Has anybody noticed that? We like to manufacture the timeline. But he never gives you the timeline. He doesn't tell you when it's going to happen. But it will come to pass as long as you hold on to what he told you. Is anybody holding on for something in their life? Yes. Keep holding on. Keep holding on because it will come to pass. Just think of Abraham. How long did he have to wait? A long time, but it came to pass and he is the father of many nations. So I'm waiting with expectation for this connection to be made with this pastor, but I'm also doing the things that I know to do in the natural. I'm looking at buildings that are available and I even sent an email out to all the pastors in Owasso that I have an email address for and said, hey, we're looking for a building. Let me know if you hear of anything. So I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. God's going to do what he's supposed to do, and it will all come together. And I know it seems like God should have made this happen already. I mean, I'm with you there, but he knows what he's doing. Let's trust him with the timing and just enjoy packing this place out in the meantime. We'll look back on these days with great joy. Remember when you had to show up early just to find a seat? Remember when if you showed up late, you had to sit in overflow? Those were good days. So make a choice right now just to enjoy this season, whether you get a seat in here, whether you're seated in overflow, whether you're standing out in the lobby, just enjoy the season and trust God to handle it all. So go ahead and turn to somebody next to you and say, get ready for overflow. (laughs) Now look at somebody else and say, God's promises are running after you. So over the next few weeks, I have the responsibility of reminding you of the promises of God. If we want to accomplish everything He has for us in these last days, then we have to live in His promises. We can't do it aside from Him. We can't do this in our own strength. And I don't know how many weeks this series is going to last, but we're just going to keep at it until the Holy Spirit says otherwise. And you should know, this isn't going to be just teaching about God's promises. This is going to be a manifestation of God's promises. I fully expect Him to confirm His word with signs following. Do you expect it? We all should. And you know, it actually began last week when the gifts of the Holy Spirit gave us some insight on what's to come. Let me remind you. We had a tongue and interpretation. I gave the tongue, and Anthony up here gave the interpretation. Here's what he said. My disciples were in the last hour. You are in the last seconds. Do not be afraid. Be bold and go out. The harvest is near. Call all that you can to God. And then Beth prophesied right after that, and she said, this is God speaking through Beth. This isn't Beth telling you that she owns you, all right? (laughs) Just to make that clear. The Lord said, I own you. You are mine. You belong to me. Nothing can come against you in the name of Jesus. I bled for you. I died for you, and you are mine, says the Lord. Nobody takes anything from me. I have you in my hands. Nothing can come against you. I own you. You are mine. You belong to me. And then this transition to Beth having a face-to-face encounter with the Lord, and she was like facing this direction. Do you guys remember that? And she kept asking, she says, what do you want, Lord? What do you want? Like, if Beth was up here explaining it, she'd say she, feel, she really sensed that she was looking face-to-face with the Lord and asking him this question. And he was kind of like pulling that out of her, wanting her to ask that question. And the answer came to me in a vision. And I came up here and I shared with you guys last week what the vision meant, but I didn't share with you the vision that I had. So I'm going to share with you the vision now. I saw a massive dust storm not too far away, and it reminded me of like images that you'll see about the dust bowl in the 1930s, only it wasn't dirt. It was gold dust rushing towards us. And in the natural, what would you do if there was a dust storm rushing towards you? You would run. You would go inside, and you would hide. So keep that in mind as I read to you what I told you last week regarding the meaning of this vision and the answer to best questions. What do you want, Lord? And he said, this, there, there is great provision for my people. I need you to receive it and not reject it. You are the ones I can trust with it because your hearts are pure and your motives are right. You will know exactly what you need to do with it. So what does the Lord want? He wants us to receive his miraculous provision, not run from it. So the next day on Monday, this past Monday, I was asking the Lord, well, where is this provision going to come from? Can you give me some deets on this? I want to understand because I'm a business guy. So that's really the only method that I fully understand. I understand how God generates wealth through our faithfulness in business. I get that. But God's going to use a different method this time. And I knew it. He's like, I'm not using that. I'm not using your business to do this. So he led me to review what happened to the Israelites when they escaped Egypt and take a look at what God said. This, he prophesied this before it happened through Moses. He said, And I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably on you. They will give you gifts when you go, so you will not leave empty-handed. Every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and fine clothing from her Egyptian neighbors and from the foreign women in their houses. You will dress your sons and daughters with these, stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. Hmm. Hmm. I'm just curious, did that hit you like it did me the first time I read it? I was like, oh, my Lord, he's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. The scripture we just read was God prophesying through Moses. He was giving the Israelites a heads up so that they would receive the wealth transfer instead of run from it. Very similar to what God did for us last week. He gave us a heads up so we will receive the wealth transfer instead of run from it. I mean, can you imagine? They had been slaves to Egypt for hundreds of years. And the generation that was alive at this point when Moses spoke this had been in slavery their whole life. They didn't even know freedom. They'd been slaves. They worked hard every day just for enough to feed their families and to take care of their families while the Egyptians became wealthy on their labor. Sound familiar? Maybe like the American government becoming wealthy on our labor. And then all of a sudden, the people who had been keeping them in slavery were handing over their wealth. I mean, if God didn't tell them ahead of time, do you think they would have received it? Probably not. They would have been like, no, I'm not taking that. You're going to do something to me. Like, there's some evil exchange in this process. You're probably going to try to trick me. But when it actually happened, they received this wealth because God had told them ahead of time that this is what's going to happen. And he's going to do it again. God is going to cause the ungodly to look favorably on us and give us their wealth. So position yourself to receive because he's equipping us for the end time harvest. So I'm having to meditate on this, right, all week. I'm, I'm, med- I'm thinking about this because I like to earn what I have. Like I'm not looking for a handout. I'm not looking for a handout. I, I want to work to earn wealth. So the thought of acquiring wealth that I didn't work for, it's a little hard for me. So I'm meditating on this. Yet this is what God wants to do. He wants the wealth of the ungodly. He wants the wealth of the ungodly in the hands of the righteous. And he's going to make it happen. I'm going to give you three scriptures that prove that this is going to happen, in case you think that I'm crazy right now. Like, Cage is pulling this out of his rear end. No, it is confirmed (laughs) over and over in scripture. Are you ready? Here it is in Psalms, chapter 105. He gave his people the lands of pagan nations, and they have harvested crops that others had planted. Harvesting crops that others had planted. Wow. Okay, here's another. Ecclesiastes 2.26. If a sinner becomes wealthy, God takes that wealth away and gives it to those who please him. And then we find it in Proverbs chapter 13. The wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Wow. So I'm in a better position now to receive this wealth than I was last week. But I'm still having to renew my mind on this day after day after day because I want to position myself to be ready for what God wants to do. And I encourage you to do the same because that gold dust storm, it's coming. You're either going to receive it or you're going to run in and hide from it. So you may be thinking, how can God just transfer wealth from the ungodly to the righteous? Well, just think how easy it is to transfer wealth from one account to the other. I could initiate a wire transfer right now and transfer my wealth to you. Any takers? (laughs) So if the banks have figured out how to do this, we can trust that God has figured out how to accomplish the end-time wealth transfer. Our job is to expect it and to receive it whenever it comes. I feel you back there, brother. (laughs) Just keep in mind, this wealth transfer is not so that we can start living a lavish lifestyle. No, this wealth is so we can accomplish God's agenda on the earth before the tribulation, all right? That's what the purpose of it is. So if you're thinking about how you're going to spend all this wealth on yourself, the wealth ain't coming to you. It ain't going to come to you. This is only for those who are focused on advancing the kingdom of God. And this reminds me of the story that Jesus told about a man going on a long trip. And while he was gone, he entrusted his money to his servants. One servant was given five bags of silver, Another servant was given two bags of silver, and a third servant was given one bag of silver. And when the master returned from his trip, he asked the servants what they had done with his money. And the servant with five, he had had invested, and he had earned five more, so he came back with ten. The one that had two, he started a business with his two, and he earned two more. But the one with one bag of silver, he hid his money, and he brought back to the master exactly what the master had given him. And as you can imagine, the master was very pleased with the ones who had multiplied, right? Wouldn't you be pleased with that? That's awesome. Now, the one who brought back exactly what was given to them, I mean, to me, that doesn't sound so bad. If I loaned somebody money and they brought it back to me, like it wasn't less, but it was the exact amount, I'd be like, okay, you know, that's not so bad. But here's what God says about that. He says, you wicked and lazy servant, you, know, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, 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 pause. That sounds familiar. Didn't we just read something about harvesting crops that you didn't plant? That God's going to give us the land of the ungodly? And we're going to harvest crops that we didn't plant? Did you realize that this parable right here is part of Jesus' description of the end times? The parable of the talents is probably what you've heard it called. So in Matthew 24, Jesus explains what happens in the last days. And then here we are in Matthew 25, where Jesus shares several parables, one after the other, just to make sure that we understand what Jesus just said about the end times. So this is an end time parable. So let's keep reading. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, oh, 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 in times, right? At my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the one talent from him. It says talent here because that's how they measured gold and silver back then. So we're talking about take that one bag of silver from him and give it to the one who has 10. Uh Uh-oh. I mean, did somebody just say, wealth Transfer. The third servant was not about his master's business. He was too busy maintaining his own reputation. So what he had was taken away and given to the one who was about the master's business. In this end time wealth transfer, the wealth of those who are not advancing the kingdom of God is going to be transferred to those who are advancing the kingdom of God. So my question to you is this. Are you spending everything that God has given you on yourself? Or are you multiplying what he's given you so that, yes, you have enough to take care of your family, but you also have enough to fund what he wants to do in this end times? I encourage you to position yourself as the one that God can trust with the end time transfer. And here's how you do it. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, therefore, do not worry Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. He's talking about the ungodly. Seek those things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? All of our needs. All of these things. Very good. Will be added to you. God promised you that if you focus On his kingdom and his righteousness, he will take care of your needs. He promised you. But if you're consumed with your own needs, he's going to take what you have and give it to the one who is advancing the kingdom of God. This is not God being hateful. You're like, oh, that's mean. No, he made it clear how to have your needs met. (laughs) So if this happens, it's because you're being stupid, right? Because it's so simple. Seek him first, trust him, and he will take care of you. Simple, 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 simple. But if we become wicked and lazy servants, there is nobody to blame but ourselves whenever that blessing passes over us and heads to the person that is advancing the kingdom of God. Have you noticed how we've kind of reversed this in America? The average person thinks that we should take from those who have more and give to those who have less. Yet here we have God taking from the one who has less and giving it to the one who has more. The end-time wealth transfer is not a Robin Hood strategy. This is not God redistributing the wealth to make sure that everybody has the same amount. The end-time wealth transfer is God shifting all the wealth to those who will advance the kingdom of God. Is it you? Is that you? I believe it is because of that word that God gave us last week. Let me read it to you again. Here's what he said. There's a great provision for my people. I need you to receive it and not reject it. You are the ones I can trust with it because your hearts are pure and your motives are right. You will know exactly what you need to do with it. We are the ones that God can trust. That's what he told us. We are the ones that God can trust. But if you have a tendency to be that wicked and lazy servant, it's time to repent. Today is the day of repentance. Turn from your wicked ways and turn to God. Quit worrying about your needs being met. You have to take those thoughts captive. You have to take them captive. Don't allow them anymore. Stop fretting, stop worrying, stop striving to meet your own needs. God knows you need these things, but he can only get them to you if you stop obsessing over your own needs and start obsessing over the kingdom of God. You know what's interesting as I'm doing this study on promises, I haven't found one yet that isn't attached to a condition. I haven't found one yet. Because here we go. To have our needs met, we have to seek God's first. Seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. And then he can meet our needs. There's a condition. But it's, so, it's always so easy. Like our step is so easy. Maybe not easy. It's so simple, right? I, yeah, it's simple. Overcoming the flesh is a challenge. So I'm going to challenge us all to make a fresh commitment today to seek God first and trust him with our own needs. So that we can focus on advancing the kingdom of God. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.